This is Sabrina Monarch, and this is a show about spiritual lifestyle and personal evolution. I'm an evolutionary astrologer, a clairvoyant, and a thought leader, and I started this podcast to have eclectic and impactful conversations about astrology as well as all things spiritual and personal development. Hey, I am back with chapters 10 and 11 of Hungry Ghosts of Paradise. Chapter 10 was difficult to write. I ended up consulting a number of friends. Um, It was difficult to write because there was part of the story that I felt was good for the plot, but I really had to sit with, do I want to share this? I feel it's important for the plot. But I ended up consulting a bunch of friends and having some some good conversation and divination, you know. So why I'm nervous to share it is because it's taboo um, and it relates to working with sexual energy to have a kind of soul retrieval experience in a way that is unusual and I never really have heard anyone talk about. So that's why I talked to a lot of friends and that was very clarifying and very helpful. So yes, it took me a minute (laughs) to write this and to get clear about my decision I will remind you that this story is X-rated, it's explicit, it's triggering, so please listen in a setting and privacy accordingly. And I will leave you to it now. The morning of the beginning of our road trip. My car is fully packed. I drive to Aiden's, listening to the radio on the way there. There is a theatrical song sung by a vengeful woman, narrating walking in on her man at home, in their bed, with another woman. While she is sourcing a lot of power from her rage, I think to myself how nice it is to be outside of the paradigm of strict monogamy. I think also how it would be reasonable to change the song, but I just sit in it until it's over and the DJ plays something else. When I arrive at Aiden's, he isn't packed at all, and I'm irritated. I occupy myself for what feels like two hours. He can tell I'm upset, and before we get in the car, we go for a quick walk in the woods. He's rolled a spliff and offers me some. He rubs my shoulders. We're about to go on a life-changing trip. He essentially says, relax, surrender. I want to stay bitter, but for whose benefit? so I choose to let it go. It's late March, sunny, and our town grows smaller and smaller into the past. We are LA bound for the writer's conference. We'll stay with my mom again. Ribbons of highway eventually takes us beyond the outskirts we occasionally visit. Aiden seems overjoyed. Our first real stop is a hot spring at night. We spend what feels like hours alternating between hot tubs and cold plunges underneath the stars and the sauna, naked bodies in the moonlight. I'm ready to go for a long time, but Aiden is so happy I pretend I'm not antsy, partly because he is happy, and partly because I fear him seeing the part of me that can't hang. 
For the first of many times on the trip, Aiden wants to camp somewhere off the side of the freeway. No, I protest. Let's get a motel. But it's free to sleep outside, he says. We don't even have a tent, I say. We can make one, he says. I have money, I say, and I need amenities. My skincare routine is complex. If we sleep off the side of the highway, I'll feel ugly. Look at that gorgeous spot, he'll say, pointing to the tall grass and flowers somewhere on the side of the road. No, I'm not doing it. He acquiesces. I look up nearby places to stay and find a cabin in Northern California with a wood-burning fireplace inside an hour away. Aiden's driving, and somehow, as tendrils of memory tend to fade, I have arrived at revealing to him faces of my inner labyrinth. My mom watched a lot of Lifetime television. I don't think it started when I was eight, but that's when she started having it on while I was around, like after school, because we'd had the talk about sex, and Lifetime made it past the censor. The continuous stories of rape and sexual assault were a template of sexuality I had access to through media. While I was aware children can't consent and that men go to jail for it, I started to desire having sex with a man, and not just as an idea, but as a palpable feeling in my body. And this feeling in my body existed, despite the constant messaging that it was the most wrong and atrocious thing at least for the other, and for me, the younger, I would be a victim, which I couldn't understand as a kid either. So I thought maybe something was wrong with me. I didn't want to be harmed or kidnapped, just initiated. Oh, you must have been so confused, Aiden says warmly. This disarms me. I was. I was twisted up about it. I explain more of my kid mind to him, which feels cathartic. How all the messaging was only about abuse, and there existed no possibility for children to have desire, but I did, and it confused me. I'm sure you were erotic as a child, Aiden sighs. It's easier for adults to just suppress it in children than to deal with it. No one likes to think about it. You were left in the dark. Aiden asks if I ever role-played this or thought about it. I love role-play, I laughed. But no, I never thought about doing this one, nor had. It could be really healing for you, he said. A tension emerges. Like a diamond hanging over our heads, it becomes clear to us we're going to create a role-play scene as soon as we settle into the cabin for the night. It just got tense, he laughed, noting what had just stirred up in our field and our non-position to act on it immediately. I feel weird, I say, making you play this nasty role. <sighs> Aiden sighed. I don't mind being nasty for you. Also, you're an adult, Sabrina, not actually a child, and this is for you. It is in the container of our relationship and our love. It is safe. We arrive to the cabin. Aiden takes in our bags. Aiden begins to make a fire. We open a glass of honey wine 
and break up some of the mushrooms we have to put inside of the wine. We should have a safe word, I ask awkwardly. I mean, that's what people do. Okay, he says. When it is time, like a hypnotist snapping their fingers on the count of ten, I drop fully into my child self, simultaneously still aware of the present reality, two frames open, like a dream. Aiden is a good actor. The mushrooms give no visuals yet, just immersive reality jumping. Aiden invites me into a world that is private, a secret game, our secret that we can't tell anyone. And I experience everything for the first time, my body in this way, another body, pleasure, climax, as though I have no reference for most of it. After the scene ends and we are inside of all that moved, I look at a red brick accent wall of the cabin, which is breathing, lightly expanding and contracting. And I feel the psychic surgery, feel as though I'd never been wrong. A tight, black, compact ball of shame, neutralized. I had just been a child with desire on her own to grapple with a colossal force she was not allowed to know until later. And so there was no guidance and I kept it a secret anyway. While we were in character, Aiden had come inside of me for the first time in the nearly three months we'd been intimate. No barrier, no pulling out. My mind's calculations would have protested, but my body and soul wanted it. And we hadn't been in the position of talking about it in the moment unless we broke character. And it felt like it meant something to both of us. Back as ourselves in this time and space, Aiden goes down on me as though I am not full of his cum, as though it doesn't matter at all. I'm in awe of how boundless and shameless it can be with him, how not squeamish he is, how Dionysian and debaucherous he is, how tender and caring he still is. I climax again. I begin to have a delayed awareness that I'm at capacity. It shows up as clues as part of the psychedelic space where Aiden's finger inside of me begins to feel like a chain and my body like an oil rig, a machine, and this chain grinding on my inner walls like gritty pleasure that is taxing. Approaching climax again, I see it build as a purple ball of light on the wall, circling, hovering, like a little electric cosmic turbine. It suddenly just drops into the top flap of a cliched picnic basket, red and white plaid accent and all, and is gone. So I tell Aiden I think I need a break. He pulls back. You were almost there, he says, affronted seeming. His lower jaw appears suddenly elongated, bovine, cartoonishly dislocated to one side in a hovering, huh, energy. It's okay. I came twice. We had a magical experience. There is slight talk from Aiden about interdimensional beings taking the orgasm. Please don't be this way, I laugh. I can find his attachment to my orgasm endearing, 
even though I know intellectually and don't fully understand yet the dynamics around that. But if he's going to bring in aliens or interdimensional beings interfering, I will tap out. He lets the alien part go, which is relieving to me. And I don't really mind my excessively hot boyfriend, excessively hot de facto boyfriend, being upset I didn't come again. Any form of conflict or annoyance with him is always covered by the good fortune that he looks like a god. Glamour, the great distorter. Slowly, his jaw comes back into its socket. We transition. He rifles through the food we have in a cooler and pulls out a tub of Amy's plain, unsweetened yogurt. Do you want some? I'm shocked. Seeing a bunch of black mold inside of the tub, I'm not sure if it's really there. No, I say, repelled. This is all I can remember clearly. I can guess that we fell back into a state of harmony, expressed our gratitude together, that we fell asleep by the fire, and that I fell asleep to a dark eyelid theater of mandalas. In the morning, Aiden and I process the role play experience again. It still feels very profound to me, and I'm thankful he held the container. I say, I tell my friends details about my sex life. I don't know about you, but what we did last night, can we keep it between us? Like a fractal of the scene itself. Of course, he says, and means it. I'd woken up to three or four people buying things from my website, when I'd often go days, even weeks, without a single sale. Throughout the day, money kept coming in and in and in. Aiden, do you know what this means? I say excitedly. It was sex magic. We weren't even manifesting anything, but something had shifted. I know Aiden is a little insecure now and then that I fund the trip, that he's also grateful. And I made it clear my life is better when he's around, that I want him here and I'm happy to share with him that he is a provider to me. And he makes a point to be receptive. But I realized that day with a kind of clarity, I don't need a man to be a financial provider. I get that it's a cultural script, but it's never felt like my definite future. I can make money. The most significant wealth to me that I inherit from a partnership is the man who snake charms my kundalini, who touches me in an attuned and masterful way, whose very way of being is a container I cannot help but to open and unfurl out into. All day, my phone pops off with sales, like an ocean wave, a mystery of the erotic that is just making an appearance. Chapter 11 I texted the woman I had been interviewing over the phone for astrological research, the woman I'd been talking to when Aiden had responded to my I desire you with a passion I am moved by text, the woman who had offered me a place to stay if I was ever passing through Sonoma, Claire. Claire says, we actually just prepared the guest house for my in-laws and they canceled, so yes, it's all ready for you and Aiden. This is where we land next. I tell Aiden the story of how I was talking to her when he texted me back, 
then my computer gave me the notification and I got instantly wet. And now we're here. Claire lives with her family, her husband, Trent, and their two kids, one currently off at college, another out of friends. Claire is gregarious, bright red hair, a cancer son hosting us at her home, her domain. We share beers. Claire asks about Aiden's chart. I list off placements, second house Pluto and Libra. You must be so sensual, she says, to and about Aiden. Yeah, even when I was a kid, I'd just rub a piece of silk ribbon over my lips, he laughs. Claire encourages my writing. And you know, you're hot, she laughs. You can use that. I laugh. I like how my life might appear in this moment, to Aiden. Later, the four of us, in two rooms that can see each other. Aiden and I are in the living room. Claire and Trent are in the kitchen, gathering something, about to join us. A small hallway makes us visible to each other. On the subject of Aiden's upcoming paragliding adventures, Trent hides his face in his hand. I'm not listening, he jokes, pretending to hum and plug his ears. I see him as though through a miniature labyrinth, through a room and a small hallway. Paragliding and extreme sports are off limits, Trent says. We don't want you to die, Claire laughs. As I come to understand Trent is not allowed to do extreme sports in the relationship agreement he has with Claire, my curiosity is piqued. I don't like the men I love doing risky things, but I love those Martian men who do risky things. And I don't feel as though I can clip their wings and still have them. That either I would lose them, they would choose their freedom over me and my restrictions, or they would become a shell of themselves. I view allowing them to fly, even when it scares me or go against my preferences, as a necessary sacrifice I make. Aiden gives me a full body massage with oil in the guest house before we fall asleep. Claire makes us a farm-to-table breakfast from her backyard in the morning. I try duck eggs for the first time, the rich, thick, bright, dark, yellow yolk. Claire is happy for me and Aiden, and my life feels like a dream. Aiden shows off his backflips in the front yard before we go. It came up in conversation. For maybe the first time, his skull facing down to the pavement midair is disturbing to me. Trent and Claire's consideration of the danger of paragliding is disturbing to me. So I decide that Aiden is invincible. I imagine the things I like to imagine. The ladies' man, player, fuckboy type having all his experiences and then settling down loyally with me, with all of his erotic gifts to bear. The risk-taker, Adrenaline junkie, extreme sport Martian, having all of his experiences and then growing out of it to live beside me with all of his adventurous spirit and stories to bear. All of the man and all of the luxuries of man with none of the consequence. Aiden being graced by the angels and by God and good fortune with safety, his psychic gifts 
his attunement, the way he picks up information with his hands, a web of knowing I choose to trust. <laughs> 